Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to episode 46 of Extreme EvoCast, an all-purpose Pokemon podcast where we talk about news, trivia, and everything related to Pokemon. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving, if you're living in America, of course, if you if you celebrate that holiday. Uh, if you didn't, I hope everyone's having a great December. I uh, hope it's not too cold where you live. It certainly is here. Oh, my goodness. I lived in Florida for, like, four years, and then I went to one of the coldest states in the, in the entire country, so I'm really feeling it. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling the cold, and I gotta say, I love it. Uh, I really, really missed the cold um, when I moved to Florida, but now that I'm back for the holidays, uh, I can experience Christmas and all of the, you know, the holiday festivities in the cold, where it should be, of course, you know, what's Christmas, what's Christmas without a little bit of cold? That's what I always say. Um, probably the first time I've said that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but hopefully we can get a white Christmas this year, at least where I live. Um, plenty of places are, you know, already. I'd like the we were supposed to get snow in my town, and like I'm not even kidding. Literally every town around me got snow, except for me. And I I haven't seen snow since I got here, and I'm angry about it. You know, the one time that I come home for the holidays, I don't get snow. Anyway. This is the time to talk about Pokemon, and boy, do I have some Pokemon-related things to tell you about today. Uh, before we get into the main topic of today's episode, let's talk about some things that have happened around the Pokemon community so far. Um, for our news, there is a... Oh, there, okay, like, um, I've, been, I've been excited to talk about this. There's, like, a, a online, as far as I can tell... Here, let me find the... Um, let me find the post. Yeah, this is coming from Serbia, of course, uh, like most of my things do. Um, it's available from today until January 3rd, today being um, the 1st of December. So this is this is back on the 1st of December. This was sort of announced. It's called Winterfest, Pokemon Kids Winterfest. Now, I, I assume that there's probably not too many kids listening to my podcast, but if there is... Kids, I got some, I got some, some banger stuff for you to do over the, over this Christmas break. Uh, the Pokemon Company International have revealed a new website, the Pokemon Kids Winterfest, where players, specifically children, I, you know, it's targeted toward children, but it's not only children, not only children can play, everyone, anyone can do it, can participate in a variety of mini games to compete and play in, to play in order in order to earn badges for over 890 Pokemon. The activities include snow holes, where you hit Diglett in holes, waterfall crossing, where you have to bounce Pokemon across a river on a Snorlax, Relay Ridge, a race to get through the area, and Battle, du and battle Dunk, a battle to knock over Pokemon into the water. There's also a pair-up game where you match two Pokemon together and a scene creator that you can set a scene with various Pokemon. There's daily rewards and mythical Pokemon missions. So it's sort of like a, just like an online website where the kids, the youngins can play some, uh, you know, oh my God, that's, I just opened the, the webpage and it's so loud. I'm not, okay. I was going to look at it in real time, but Jesus, uh, no, you know, the youngins can, can take some time and have some fun with some Pokemon mini games, daily challenges. It's almost like a, it reminds me of like the days of, you know, the Cartoon Network or like Nickelodeon games that you used to play on the websites or like Club Penguin. You know, obviously it's not like a 
you know, in our, in like a, like a multiplayer game, but it's, you know, it's got mini games, it's got rewards, it's got badges. It's almost like a gotcha game kind of, not really. Um, I'm just making so many comparisons that are just not true, but hopefully you understand where I'm going with this. Um, it looks pretty cool. I like, I don't know if I'm going to try it out because you know, it's aimed towards children, but I don't think Pokemon's ever done anything like this before. And it's, it's cool to see that they're sort of expanding out and, and doing this, this fun, fun in quotes for children, I guess a fun for children, a uh, little thing that you can do. You know, I, I really wanted to highlight it and talk about it because I think it's more interesting than anything. Uh, not that I'm going to be like talking about it or playing it, you know, welcome to episode 47 of EvoCast, where I, uh, my review of the Pokemon Kids Winterfest website, where I've, um, gotten all 890 badges and here's what I think about it. No, could you imagine? I'm a, that's, that's something that I probably would do, but I digress. Yeah, it, it seems pretty cool. It seems like a fun little thing for, for people to do. Um, and yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's move on to some of the Pokemon Go stuff. There is some exciting Pokemon Go things happening, um, as there pretty much always is. Um, the Pokemon Go Beyond um, thing, <laughs> thing like the whole sort of rehaul towards Pokemon Go's basic formula is out. It's it's rolling out, slowly coming out as time goes on um, with like the, the seasons. Uh, stuff is rolling out like po different Pokemon are changing based on seasons and they're sort of starting to get that that whole system in place as well as the level cap is out uh, for people who are player who are level 40. I guess it's technically only ever available to people who are level 40, but you know what I mean. People who are level 40 have access to this sort of new thing as they always do, almost like the playtesters. Um, and, and things are slowly rolling out. Kalos is out. Finally, you can get the starters. You can get some some Kalos Pokemon. There's like some events that have happened, um, you know, sort of bringing out some new Kalos Pokemon and making them more common in the wild. Uh, yeah, like like Esper and Noibat can be found in 10 km eggs. Some of the starters can be found in some eggs. So, uh, you know, they're sort of bringing in Kalos slowly, which is very exciting. Kalos is long overdue and exciting uh, when it comes to Pokemon Go. Not that I really play it much anymore. I've sort of, Pokemon Go has sort of become that thing where I like talking about it and hearing about it, but I'm just not, I don't, I don't nearly go outside as much as I should. Not that I should be because of quarantine, but I think that quarantine has really started to, I keep hitting my, my coffee. Uh, like I keep, um, you know, quarantine has sort of slowed down my activity even more so than it already was. So unfortunately, you don't really get to hear my personal experiences about certain Pokemon Go things. But, you know, for those of you who listen to this podcast who play Pokemon Go religiously, which I know there's a few of you, um, there you go. You know, hope this I like I like being the messenger of information. And I think that uh, Pokemon Go has lots and lots of things to be excited about coming out soon, specifically the seasons and the uh, the level cap and stuff or the level expansion, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, let's see in the, during the Macy's day parade, um, a while, you know, it was a while ago. Um, the Pokemon released the 25th anniversary celebration with a logo, um, which is very exciting. Um, I'm going to actually look this up because I just looked up 25th. Like I put 25 and then ST like it was the first. 
20, the Pokemon 25th anniversary. Um, let me look this up. There's a Game Informer thing about it. Is there anything that I don't know about it? It's just sort of like, um, Pokemon Snap is already coming, blah, blah, blah. We know about that. Uh, this is a Game Informer, t- like, um, post, so I don't know how credible it is, but I'm going to read through this. Um, it's just, it's just saying, like, things that have happened. I guess it's like, um... February twenty seventh, twenty twenty one is the the the, the you know the uh, the thing, and like it's talking about how there was a few things that that happened, like, um, Sun and Moon, Sword and Shield, uh, Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution, stuff like that. So hopefully we'll be getting uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be getting maybe a new game announcement on the on Pokemon Day twenty fifth anniversary, something special, something very exciting to to happen. I God, I hope so. Um, until then, I suppose all we can do is just anxiously, anxiously await the announcement that they're going to be doing on the 25th or the 25th, the 27th for the 25th anniversary. Very, very excited. Sort of sort of just like a, hey, big things are coming in the future. Get hype about it. You know, uh, that's always sort of what the what the anniversary Pokemon Day, the 27th is um, is most, you know, sort of most about. Actually, let me look at the EvoCast schedule for that. Oh my god, my new computer is asking me if I want to, like, I haven't set up my calendar. Get out of here. I just want to look at the calendar. I don't want to add my account. Okay, anyway. Uh, Wednesday the 9th is what I'm... Ooh, it's supposed to snow tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday the 9th is well, when this is coming out. And then the 23rd. And then the 6th of January. The 20th of January. Uh, the 3rd of February, which will be the... um. You know, the uh, the two-year anniversary for EvoCast. Very excited about that. 17th of February. And then the 3rd of March. Um, so, yes. Okay, so I, an episode of EvoCast will be happening, like, really, really close after the, um, the release of the 25th anniversary sort of announcement. So that's very, very exciting. Um, it's not like, you know, because... When I'm doing EvoCast, I have to sort of keep that in mind. Be like, do I have to extend uh, an EvoCast episode like maybe two or three days past? Because like if we know that something exciting is going to come out, I'm not going to do an episode of EvoCast and release it the day before and then wait two weeks to talk about the big thing. You know, that's just that's just stupid. I would rather delay an episode of EvoCast so I can talk about it uh, like right when it comes out. But it looks like thankfully I won't have to do that. Um, I can sort of wait until, you know, a few, episode of EvoCast only comes out like a few days later after the announcement. So that's good to know for the future. And what also is good to know for the future is the fact that we will be getting this amazing, hopefully, news on the 27th of February, 2021. And moving on, uh, Gloria and Zacian are in Pokemon Masters which is very, very cool. They dropped like a little trailer. Uh, she's British, which everyone is like, okay, you know, it makes sense. Gallery is based on, it's based on the UK and Europe. Um, but I, I don't think anyone was really prepared for her <laughs> to, to be British. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of a meme going around. Um, but yeah, Gloria and Sashin are coming to Pokemon Masters. Or they're in. Are they in or are they? Yeah, I guess they're in. They're already there. This is a sort of a, you know, this is like a from, yeah, it's like the 26th of November. I'm pretty sure they're already in the game. Um, but I am sort of looking through the timeline of how things have gone on. 
Okay. Um, so there is a new TCG coming out. We only got a little bit of news left. You know, stay, uh, stay, stay patient with me, y'all, and then we can get on to some more interesting things. Um, new TCG coming out, if I can find it. Shining Fates. Uh, Pokemon Company International has announced the next TCG special set, Shining Fates. Starting release on February 19th, 2021, they contain a small set of standard cards and a set of shiny Pokemon cards featuring over 190 cards and over 100 shiny Pokemon, um, including Eldegoss, Boltund, Cramorant, Pikachu, uh, Poltegeist, Bunnelby, <laughs> Bunnelby, Mr. Rhyme, Dedenne, stuff like that. So uh, new TCG coming out with a focus on shiny Pokemon, it seems, which uh, is always very exciting. We got two more things to talk about, one of which is a thing about Pokemon Go that I totally forgot to mention. Um, there's an event coming, or event happening, um, uh, let's see, December 14th, yeah, it's happening. Uh, December 14th through December 21st, they're releasing a um, Explorer Pikachu into Pokemon Go, as well as um, special research for a shiny Celebi. And a bunch of Pokemon in raids and appearing in the wild more often. Uh, sort of a promotion for the upcoming Pokemon Secrets of the Jungle. So sort of sort of focusing on like all of the shiny Pokemon that have appeared. Or the shiny Pokemon. I was I looked at a, I looked at Shiny Celebi and Shiny Pokemon are on the raid today. Um sort of featuring Pokemon from the new movie that's coming out are appearing more often in raids and in the wild in Pokemon Go, including Explorer Pikachu. And finally, um, Pokemon announced a 2021 um, collaboration with the Kibo Space Module and the International Space Station. On December 1st, 2020, uh, at 2345 JST, I don't know what time that is. Let me look it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do EST because that is where I live. Oh. Hold on. Is that the next day? Oh, that's the next day. It's happening. It's happening at 10 a.m. or 9.45 a.m. Eastern time. So it's, I guess that's on the first of um because it's the it's December 31st, 2020 at 9.45 a.m. Eastern, you know, uh, uh, Eastern time, but it's 11.45 p.m. for Japan. Is that the next day or the same day? I will figure it out. Oh, it's 14 hours behind. Oh, okay. So it's it's it is the thirty first. It's not happening until, uh, it's not happening on twenty twenty one. It's still happening on the same day, but it's like, it's like fourteen hours earlier. So um, yeah. All right. So so December thirty first at ten in the morning for me, um, a stream will feature the first sunrise of twenty twenty one as recorded from the International Space Station. Alongside this, a special augmented reality showcase will be shown utilizing real-time images from the International Space Station and various Pokemon. So sort of an unexpected um, collaboration here um, with, you know, Pokemon and space. Pokemon and NASA. I know it's not NASA. The Space Station. Um, but... People were getting their their high, their hopes up a little bit that maybe this would be tied into potential Sinnoh remakes, which, of course, I think I have to talk about um, for the 25th anniversary of um, of Pokemon. Sinnoh remakes 
Maybe, hopefully. I'm hoping so, at least. Everyone, I think, and their mother is hoping for Sinnoh remakes on the 27th of 2021. And who knows, maybe this, you know, people are sort of tying in connections between Team Galactic, Palkia, Dialga, Space Time, blah, 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 with the space station and the sunrise, you know, things like that sort of people are, are, are grasping at straws here to, to try and make the Sinnoh remakes seem plausible. And I mean, Hey, I, do you blame them? Do you blame me? I don't blame you. I don't blame myself for thinking that too. Who knows? Maybe it's all a marketing clip. Maybe it's all like a, Hey, space time, space stuff, you know, Pokemon buy it. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully there hope my mind hopes that everything is true and that it is a connection towards the Sinnoh remakes and that we will be getting Sinnoh remakes um, announced on the 27th of 2021 for the 25th anniversary. Uh, but I suppose only time will tell. What do you think? Do you think it's a tie in or do you think it's just a funny coincidence? And I suppose at the same time, do you think that Sinnoh remakes are going to be announced um, at the at, at, on the anniversary? Let me know what you think. I was going to say in the comments, this is I mean, it's posted on YouTube, but like uh, most of my audience listens, listens on Spotify. Let me know in the Spotify comments what you think. All right, that is going to wrap it up for the news for today. Um, I am going to continue on to everyone's favorite segment uh, where we talk about a random Pokemon every episode of Random Pokemon of the Week uh, before we get on to the main topic today. And the Pokemon on the chopping block today is number 554, almost number 555. If you know, you know, special numbers in Pokemon and what, what number number 555 is, maybe you can guess what number 554 is. All right, is that enough time for you to think about it? It's Darumaka. <laughs> Darumaka is the fire-type Pokemon introduced in Generation 5. Uh, it is the Zen Charm Pokemon. It evolves into, into Darmanitan, starting at level 35, who is the, the 555th Pokemon. Um, fitting, considering it's Generation 5. Um, in Galar, Darumaka has an Ice-type regional form, which evolves into Galarian Darmanitan when exposed to an Ice Stone. Oh, I guess, you know, I didn't really think about that. I guess we can also talk about uh, Galarian Darumaka, too. Uh, so... Darumaka is a fire-type Pokemon, uh, and Galarian Darumaka is, of course, ice-type. Uh, I'm going to sort of combine the two. Normally, I would have I would talk about Alolan or Galarian Pokemon separately, but uh, I don't necessarily think that Galarian Darumaka needs its own, um, you know, it ne needs its own sort of special thing. Maybe maybe more um, other Pokemon with, like, some, some histories, you know, uh, with like a Lolan Pokemon and stuff, maybe I'll separate them into two different things. It sort of depends on the Pokemon, but for Darumaka, like I think that Darmanitan, I would certainly separate them because Galarian Darmanitan and normal Darmanitan are very different. While Galarian Darumaka and normal Darumaka are just sort of, you know, ice type and fire type, uh, respectively. Uh, though there is a little bit of difference between the two. Uh, their abilities, both of them have the same abilities, Hustle and Inner Focus as its hidden ability. 50-50 um, uh, gender ratio. Darumaka, normal Darumaka, is 2 foot and or, or 0.6 meters, and Galarian Darumaka is 2 foot 4, or 0 0.7 meters. It gets just 4 inches taller when it is Galarian form. Um, let's see. So, Darumaka, let's let's go under the Pokedex entries right away. Let's get, let's get this started. Um, 
Oh, does it have? Uh, yeah, okay, it does have different ones. So let's let's look at um. Let's look at black and white, considering it's the debut game. When its eternal fire is burning, it cannot calm down and it runs around. When the fire diminishes, it falls asleep. That's cute. Diramaka's droppings are hot. Oh, so people used to put them in their clothes to keep themselves warm. That's gross. Like, it makes sense, but ew. <laughs> when it sleeps, it pulls its limbs into its body and its eternal fire goes down to 1,100 Fahrenheit, degrees Fahrenheit. That's not, doesn't go down very much, huh? Um, okay, X and Y are the same. Sword and shield, it, de it derives its power from the fire burning inside its body. If the fire dwindles, this Pokemon will immediately fall asleep. It has no Pokedex entries in Generation 7? Starbuck and not in, gener in Generation 7? And uh, weird. Uh, this popular symbol of good fortune will never fall over in its sleep, no matter how it's pushed or pulled. Oh, so it's like a, uh, it's like one of those dolls that never falls over. That's cute. I guess that's, it's like a Zen charm, you know, I guess that's sort of where its inspiration is from. We can look at its, we can look at its origins a little later. And Galarian Darmanitan, or Darmaka has some different Pokedex entries. It lived in snowy areas for so long that its fire sack cooled off and atrophied. It now has an organ that generates cold instead. Interesting. <laughs> the colder they get, the more energetic they are. They freeze their breath to make snowballs, using them as ammo in playful snowball fights. So it's sort of just like, you know, it just froze over. It just, it just literally became ice from fire type, which is sort of a common things that happen in Pokemon biology, huh? We have Vulpix, Ninetales, and now Darumaka just sort of, you know, fire type stay in an ice type place long enough, it just freezes over and becomes ice type. Very interesting. Um, biology, in terms of that. Can you imagine if that happened to more po more Pokemon or more things? Like, in real life, can you imagine just, like, putting a... I guess there's no fire type animals in real life, but you know what I mean? Like, put something in the cold for so long that it just becomes... I mean, I guess that happens with, like... Rabbits, huh? Rabbits, like, I, like they changed their coat color to be eye, to be ice, to be white. Um, so I guess that does happen in, in real life. Great observation, Lily. <laughs> um, that you know, evolution and adaptation actually happens in real life. It's not just a Pokemon thing. Anyway, let's let's continue on. Um, as let's you know, speaking of, let's actually look at its origins. It's trivia. Darumaka has the lowest special attack based out of all fire-type Pokemon. What is that? Which is, what is its fire? I'm going to guess like 10. It's real bad. According to the trivia, it's the worst of all fire-types. 15. Oh, I was so close. 15 special attack. That's really low. But its attack is pretty high for a, for a, um, for a, for, for a pre-evolution. 90. That's not a bad stat. I guess we can look at all of its stats because we won't be talking about it on Smogon. Uh, its HP is 70, attack is 90, defense is 45, special attack, as we said earlier, is 15, special defense is 45, and speed is 50. Not a bad, uh, not a bad range for such a, for, for a pre-evolution, I gotta say. Not bad. All right, uh, Darumaka seems to be based on a Daruma doll, or a Daruma doll. Well, I've, I could have put two and two together if I knew what a Daruma doll is. Oh, it's these things. Okay. Yeah. I see that now. <laughs> I see the resemblance. A Dharma doll is a hollow, round Japanese traditional doll modeled after Bodhidharma, the founder of the Zen tradition of Buddhism. Wow. 
Well, okay. You know, that makes a lot more sense now that I look at that and I look back at Dharamaka. Sure. Uh, while it is resting, it seems to be the type of Dharma doll that does not tip over. Oh, like a... A roly-poly toy? Is that what they're called? We never called them that. I don't know what they're even called, but not that. Yeah, ro a roly-poly toy. <laughs> uh, its fire type may be based on the traditional Dharma burning ceremony, which is... At the end of the year, all of the dharma are brought back to the temple that are purchased from a traditional burning ceremony. This ceremony, ceremony called the Dharma Kuyo, is held once a year, usually right after New Year's Day. The most renowned of these events are held at the Nishiarai Daishi Temple in Tokyo. Okay, hold on. At these events, people bring the dharma figures they had used that year to the temple. After expressing gratitude to them, they turn them over in the temple and buy new ones for the next year. All the old Dharma figures are burnt together in the temple. A solemn display of the monk's entry, reading of the sutras, and blowing of horns. The tens of thousands of figurines are then set aflame. That sounds awesome. I want to go to one of those. That sounds sick. You know, in a, in a very respectful way of their culture. But still, very, very cool. Galarian Dharamaka seems to be based on a mixture of a snowman. What? Called a Yuki... Yuki what Yuki Tsuruma in Japanese and a Yeti. Oh, a snowman is called a Yuki Tsuruma in Japanese. Really? What's the Yuki mean? What does Yuki mean? What like what's the what's this what's the um Japanese snowman? Yuki Daruma. Oh, Yuki means snow. <laughs> Daruma is the is the the doll and a yuki, yuki is snow. It's literally a snow daruma. You know, that's actually really interesting. I didn't know any of this stuff. Well, you learn something new every day. I guess that's the point of doing talking about a random Pokemon every every episode. Um, Darumaka seems to be a combination of daruma and maka, crimson, or a corruption of what? Monkey. Oh my god, it's a okay. Thank God I didn't say it like that. Apparently, uh, the name of this animal is also a racial slur. So I will not say it, but it is a monkey. Sort of sort of sounds like maka. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I think that's... Oh, no, hold on. I was going to say that's all. We still have to do... We still have to do the shiny rating. Uh, there'll be two entries today, of course. One for Galarian Darumaka and one for Normal Darumaka. Doesn't seem to have Galarian Darumaka on here. So I will... Uh, look up, look it up on Cerebi instead of, um, oh, I do know what this looks like. Okay. So normal Daramaka shiny is pink instead of red. It's cute. I like, I like the color. I like the color. Yellow and pink always looks good together. And then Galarian Daramaka has the blue on its hands, face, and feet uh, replaced with yellow. So it's sort of like a, you know, sort of like a yellow, blue, white combination. Um, I, I kind of dislike, uh, the shiny for Galarian Daramaka. I'm going to give that a six out of 10 and I'm going to give actually, okay, no, I'm going to be a little bit more harsh. I'm going to give normal Daramaka a six out of 10 and I'm going to give Galarian Daramaka a five out of 10. I think that they are not, I don't think that either of them are very good. 
Um, I do like the pink and the yellow, but it just sort of replaces one color. And that to me is kind of an uninspired shiny. Is that what Dar shiny Darmanitan looks like too? Just like pink. Oh my God. Shiny Darmanitan so much cooler. Why didn't they do that? I mean, shiny Galarian Darmanitan looks kind of bad, but normal, normal shiny Darmanitan looks awesome. Why did they not do that? For for uh, for Darmaka. Well, we never know. Those are my ratings: uh, six out of ten for normal Darmaka, and five out of ten for Galarian. Continuing on, uh, today is the first episode where I introduce a new segment, a new sort of theme. I say segment, but segment implies that it would be like every episode this is sort of a sort of a thing on the on the lines of um oh i can't remember the name type review <laughs> type review you know those sort of things where like every every couple episodes i go over a certain thing a certain variation of a certain thing of course we have type review um and today i'm adding a new one to the list um and i am calling it how to hunt how to hunt S sounds weird when I say it out loud all at once. How to Hunt is a um, a segment where I discuss um, different processes of which someone would go about hunting for shiny Pokemon. Um, there are lots of different shiny Pokemon or ways to get shiny Pokemon in lots of different Pokemon games. Uh, and I think that instead of talking about just shiny hunting in general, because shiny hunting is such a big part of my life, uh, it's such a big part of why I continue to play the games. Um, I want to talk about some of the more uh, interesting and complicated processes that go into hunting for those precious sparkly Pokemon. Uh, and today, the first episode is going to be uh, about the battle method in Pokemon Sword and Shield, mostly because it is one that I am recently familiar with, one that I'm currently doing right now i have my switch out and i'm shiny hunting right now i'm kidding of course but uh it is the one that i am the most accustomed to at the moment because i have been doing it for the past couple of days after finals oh which i forgot to mention uh thank you so much for asking <laughs> finals went great finals are done everything is all good i finally have some more time to actually think about this podcast and focus on you know making sure everything is the best that it can possibly be uh, and not letting not letting school be in the way for for like you know one or two months while I'm home for the holidays, um, I can really hunker down and focus on this podcast uh, without finals and school and all those extra things getting in the way. I'm officially on break in between school semesters, and I could not be happier about it. So much more time to play Pokemon, so much more time to shiny hunt, and so much more time to do EvoCast. Um, anyway. Yes, I have been doing a lot of shiny hunting uh, recently. And, and I mean recently, recently. I was literally just doing it earlier today, like 20 minutes before I started uh, EvoCast. And uh, the reason for that is because me and a couple of friends of mine, if you're listening, you know who you are. Hi. I hope you finally got the shinies you were hunting for, um, are doing a joint shiny lock in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, a shiny lock, if you don't know, is a variation on the Nuzlocke rule set, which if you don't know that, go look it up or listen to my episode on it. Episode number three of EvoCast, Nuzlocke and Chill. Still really proud of that episode title, by the way. Um, 
It's a variation on the Nuzlocke rule where instead of going after a Pokemon every route, um, you have to shiny hunt for your Pokemon. And I sort of have this variation of shiny locks that I usually go for. It's my go-to whenever I do them. I've done like two of them so far. This is my third one where um, I just, just so I don't have to spend a million years um, hunting for every single Pokemon that I go for. Um, cause normally in Nuzlocke, you know, encountering a Pokemon every different area would take a long time, uh, shiny hunting for every single one. I mean, especially in a game like sword and shield. Um, so I have been doing a method in which I get a shiny, uh, before every gym, uh, one before every gym for a total of eight Pokemon, um, with a few variations, you know, the, the sort of rule set that me and my friends have done, we're getting nine Pokemon, one before every gym, and then one before the Elite Four and the Champion. Um, so it's sort of like, uh, you know, um, the way that I've been doing it is we uh, we sort of have the system where we take every single Pokemon that you can get before the first gym. You put them in a big list, you randomly generate them, and then that is the Pokemon that you use and that you hunt for. Um, and then when you, when you, you hunt for a Pokemon until you get it, you know, you go up into the point, just like with your starter until you get the, uh, until you get the, the shiny Pokemon. And then when you, when you finally get the shiny Pokemon, you put your starter in the PC and you play with that Pokemon for the rest of the game. You know, you go beat the first gym, you, um, you, you, you tally up all the Pokemon, you know, uh, in between the first gym and the second gym and you randomly generate it and then you shiny hunt for that one too. Uh, it's very, very good fun. I've been having a great time with it. And, um, we, oh, by the way, you usually do, um, because you're only getting like nine Pokemon in terms of, uh, you know, compared to like the 30 or 40 that you usually get in a normal Nuzlocke. Uh, every Pokemon has three lives. Every shiny Pokemon that you get on your team has three lives. That's, you know, you can do it however you want. If you're confident in your ability to do a Nuzlocke and not lose any Pokemon, you could, you know, not give them different lives. Um, but I, I like to do three lives per Pokemon, eight, or I guess in this situation, nine Pokemon, uh, per, you know, per Pokemon or per, you know, eight, nine Pokemon, three lives per, that's like 24, 27 po lives in total uh, for the game, which is reasonable for a Nuzlocke. Uh, anyway, wow, I've been talking about this for way too long. We've been doing a shiny lock. I've been hunting in, in Sword and Shield. I've been hunting for them and I've been using the battle method because that is the method that uh, is the best, you know, sort of for this, um, it's the only one really you can do in the beginning uh, other than like random encountering, but sort of the same um, method. So we're going to talk about the battle method today and shiny hunting and sword and shield uh, and why it sucks, why it's not a very good method. Uh, but I have been having a lot of fun with it and is the reason why I wanted to talk about this one first. So the battle method, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through what a shiny Pokemon is and <laughs> how to get them. You know, I'm, I'm going into this segment um, assuming that you already know what a shiny Pokemon is. If you don't know what a shiny Pokemon is, please go do some research on yourself. Look, go on like Bulbapedia. Just look up shiny Pokemon. You know, it's a, it's a random, it's a different coloration of a Pokemon that appears very rarely in most games. Um, and yada, yada, yada. So the battle method is a controversial one at that. <laughs> Because it's actually broken, or it was, I it was thought to be broken. I I genuinely can't tell 
what the actual, what the truth is for this method of shiny hunting. Um, because I've heard people say it's broken. I've heard people, you know, say that that's what it's intended to do. And it's just different than what we thought. Um, so I'm not really going to talk about that because who knows if it's broken or not. I did a bunch of research beforehand and I can't find a common consensus on whether or not it's broken. Um, but what I do know is that it's a lot more complicated than what a lot of people think. So uh, the battle method in Pokemon Sword and Shield is the method where you have to defeat Pokemon, sort of like the chains in Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Um, you have to faint Pokemon. Well, it's, it's not really a chain. It's more so just like a collection, a, a list of the Pokemon that you've defeated. Um, as you defeat more and more of a single Pokemon, the chances of a shiny Pokemon go up. Um, you know, sort of starting at 50, and then 100, and then 200, and then 300, and then 400, and then a max of 500 Pokemon defeated is when the shiny chances are the highest. Uh, this also goes for brilliant Pokemon, you know, the Pokemon with the auras around them that give different, uh, that give watts when you defeat them and have good IVs. Um, that is sort of the same way that they work. They, they work a little bit differently, but pretty much the same way as shiny Pokemon do. Uh, and I do have a, um, a little, um, I do have a little Reddit thread that really conveys the information that I want to share with you in a very good and easy way. So the history of this of this shiny method is that people thought that it was broken at first. Um, people thought people were were sort of looked in the game's code and they were getting misinformation from it. Um, we knew that the number of Pokemon that you battled, you get uh, you get these chances, you get these um, you know you get you the higher the higher the more Pokemon you kill, the higher the chances are. Yada yada. Also, there's something going on outside. Very loud noises. I don't know what's happening. Um, People also were under the impression that the it, that along with this how many Pokemon have you fainted thing, there was also a chain that happened where once you kill or faint <laughs> uh, 25 Pokemon in a row alongside the, the 500 plus that you fainted, then your shiny chances will be the highest. Um, and that's actually not true. The chain is only for fishing pokemon it's only for fishing and it's not actually related to shiny pokemon at all it's related to it's related to brilliant pokemon so with fishing the higher chain of a pokemon that you have uh you know one certain pokemon up to 25 sort of like chain fishing in x and y um the higher the chances are of getting a brilliant pokemon which is not shiny pokemon they're completely unrelated um and a lot of people thought it was broken because um, people were like, okay, killing a bunch of, feigning a bunch of Pokemon, 500 plus, blah, blah, blah. These are what's supposed to be the shiny odds. And people were like, well, that's not what I'm getting. That's, that doesn't seem right. Um, and people had to look through, people sort of looked into, into the code with how it worked. And it worked a lot differently than what they thought. It's not that it just gives you an extra chance of getting, of, you know, of finding a shiny Pokemon. The higher the number of Pokemon that you've battled, whether fainted or caught, um, it increases the number of rolls that you get. The number of rolls that you get for a shiny Pokemon. Um, so it doesn't increase the chance per se, 
but it increases how many rolls it does to determine whether or not it's shiny. Um, up to 50, the chance is a 2% chance, and the number of additional rolls is only one. So with 50 Pokemon battled, uh, the additional roll chance... So every time you encounter a shiny Pokemon, or every time you encounter a Pokemon that you have fainted or caught up to 50 or 50 or 50 or less, there is a 2% chance that the game will roll one more time to see if it's a shiny Pokemon. And if it's not, it's, it isn't. And if it rolls it for it to be shiny, then it will. And of course, if it is shiny, it won't roll again. It'll just sort of, it'll just, you know, it'll keep it. Um, and this sort of goes up over time as you amass more and more fainted and catch a Pokemon up to 500 plus, which at this point, there is a 3% chance that it will roll again. And when it does roll again, it rolls six times. So every time you encounter a Pokemon that you fainted or caught up to 500 times, it will have a 3% chance to re-roll that Pokemon specifically six times to check if it's a shiny. And if it is, you know, if it, if it is shiny, it stops re-rolling and it gives you the shiny. If it isn't shiny, it's just a normal Pokemon. Um, so that is how it works. And the way that that sort of goes with odds is, um, so the way that this translates to numbers, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, listen, I get it. <laughs> give me the, give me the numbers. Give me the, give me the details. Um, so the way that this sort of translates is that, um, with that reroll chance from, from, you know, a 3% chance to do six rerolls. That translates to about a 1 in 682 chance to get a shiny with no shiny charm uh, or a 1 in 512 uh, with a shiny charm. So when you, but that's only if the 3% is, is chosen. So like every time you encounter a Pokemon, there is a, there, you know, it's normally a 1 in 4,000, whatever. I forget the number exactly. Uh, 4,096, I think. There's a one in four thousand ninety six chance that it will, or that, or you know, there's a one in four thousand ninety six chance just base. And when you encounter a Pokemon that you fainted or caught three hundred times, there is a three percent chance that the odds will instead be one in six hundred and eighty two. <laughs> so it's a crazy sort of set of, of 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 chances there because it's so variable. You know, uh, every other time it's a one in four thousand chance, but every every so often the rate is lowered down, um, which I think is a very interesting way of handling shiny Pokemon that no other method has done before. Um, I think it's a really interesting sort of way of doing it, and it, it almost makes it seem more random. You know, it's not just like, okay, these are my odds. It's like, these are my odds to get lowered odds, and which in that case, these are my odds. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. It sort of hurts my brain to think about Um and so like, like I, I almost like, I want to say, I almost hope they do this more in the future, but I don't know if I like this method simply because it, it really, the rates for the shinies are very low. Um, you know, that's, that's like averaging out. It's pretty much not that low compared to, compared to other methods. A one in a 3% chance to have a one in five twelve chance is not high. I mean, in SOS chaining, I'm pretty sure that you could get a one in five, 12 chance, just like all the time when you're at, at max SOS training. I don't remember exactly what the, what the number is for SOS training, but something like that, you know, and, but like this, the, the chances for the battle method in sword and shield are very, very low. But with that being said, I have enjoyed 
shiny hunting with the battle method very, very much. I, I have done quite a bit of shiny hunting in Sword and Shield um, with Master Methoning, ha- you know, hatching, and also the Dynamax Adventures. And this is actually the first time that I've ever done the battle method, which... Um, I'm going to sort of combine into the same, uh, into the same episode, the random encountering method where like, because see the battle method really works well. It's very, very good to do the battle method when you are, when you're doing, when you're hunting a Pokemon that's visible in the overworld, because you could just run into the Pokemon, you know, you, what you see is what you get. You run into the Pokemon that you want. You don't run into the other Pokemon that you don't want. But with, if you're going in the Pokemon that are randomly encountered from the grass, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, so the sort of fainting them and catching them and getting that chain up is a lot more, it's still the same way when you just encounter a Pokemon in the grass as opposed to seeing it visibly in the overworld. But of course, you have to take into consideration that when you are random encountering something, you don't get to choose what it is. Um, so it's sort of like, yes, you can faint those Pokemon and get a higher chance to be shiny, but um, if you don't get what you don't, you know, if you don't get what you're hunting, then you're not really interested in it. You know what I mean? Um, so technically they're different hunting methods. The random encountering method is much more variable than the visible encounter, which is called the battle method. Um, and you know, they're sort of considered to be, um, separate hunting methods, I guess, but for the sake of simplicity, I'm going to put them in together. And so when I talk about the battle method, I mean, just, the system in place where you faint po- or you faint or catch Pokemon over and over again in order to get that boost. Um, and my experiences with this have been fun. Uh, I started out on Route Four, hunting for Pumpkaboo, and I, uh, well, you know, my other friends. I'm doing it with three other friends. We got, uh, they each got their own Pokemon to hunt. I eventually found a shiny Pumpkaboo. I named him Big Max because he's the smallest of his size, the smallest size Pumpkaboo, and I love him to death. Um, and because a Big Max is a type of pumpkin, a very, very large pumpkin, I may say, uh, which I think is funny that, you know, he's a the smallest size Pumpkaboo and he's a tiny, he's a, you know, named after a giant pumpkin. You get it. Um, and then, you know, my other friends hadn't gotten their shinies yet. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go hunt something else while I wait. And I did it again. I hunt, I battle methoded on, uh, on route two or route one, sorry for Wooloo. And I got a shiny Wooloo before anyone else got another shiny. So I've been very lucky with my hunting recently. Uh, I got a shiny Pumpkaboo and a shiny Wooloo, both in like, uh, in like combined in like less than a thousand encounters, which for battle methoding is really good. I think, um, and then currently at the moment I'm hunting for Purloin on route two using random encountering, uh, which is sort of my, my first, uh, my first jump into random encountering instead of, as opposed to visible encounters, um, which is, you know, much more difficult and I'm probably not going to get Purloin. If I do, that's going to be even crazier luck, but uh, I gotta say, I really enjoy battle methoding in Pokemon Sword and Shield. I think it's fun. I think it's very intuitive, uh, but it's not too distracting. My my least favorite thing about shiny hunting in certain games is when it's too distracting and when I can't do it while like watching a movie or watching YouTube videos or talking in a call with somebody. Um, shiny hunting to me is sort of a relaxing um 
you know, activity. So if I have to put my full focus on it, I don't really enjoy it too much. Um, it's not too distracting though. It's actually very, it's a lot more sort of like I can just sort of do it in my off time while I'm doing something else, uh, than I thought it was. It's very, it's, it's a lot more interesting and a lot more fun, uh, than breeding. Breeding gets very, very monotonous over time. And even like switching from the wild area to route eight or route five to, to, you know, to mix up the location is not helping. It doesn't help. I have hatched like over 7,000 eggs at this point in sword and shield and like, Oh, it just gets so boring. Um, but the battle method is new for me and it's fun. I I'm surprised that I never really did it before. Cause I was over always under the assumption that it was broken and that I shouldn't do it. And then it sucks and that it's hard, but I gotta say, if you haven't done it before, give it a try. It's, it's not as bad as I initially thought it was going to be. And it actually has been very fun and very satisfying to get Chinese for, um, you know, sort of just like running around looking for Pokemon as opposed to hatching eggs. It's always been really fun for me. Um, and the battle method really sort of does it for me in that, in that sense. So yeah, this, this was sort of a jump into a new segment, a new sort of thing that I'd like to talk about, uh, multiple things of, you know, other episodes will dive into, uh, shiny hunting methods for other games. Like we mentioned SOS hunting in gen seven. Uh, I mentioned chain fishing in X and Y I mentioned chaining in let's go Pikachu and Eevee, which we will talk about in the future. If you're an avid shiny hunter like me, um, and you, and you like the different systems. Uh, let me know, you know, either with the comments on YouTube or sending or replying to the tweet or whatever it may be. Uh, let me know what your favorite shiny hunting method is. Let me know what, uh, what, what hunting method you find the most satisfying. Is it soft resetting for legendaries or starters? Is it, uh, hatching? Is it chain fishing? Is it horde hunting? Is it SOS hunting? Dex navving? There's so many different things that I could talk about. Uh, and I'm very excited to sort of delve into the different methods of, such a complicated and active community within the, you know, the Pokemon community. Um, there's so many people out there who just make a living off of looking for these rare Pokemon in games, doing so many different methods. And like, you know, you even see these people like hailing from 2010 where people were, were pointing their cameras at like three Game Boys side to side, um, soft resetting each of them every single time for a shiny Lugia. Uh, you know, there's still people doing stuff like that just because it's their favorite shiny hunting method. Uh, and I hope that you can appreciate, uh, the complexity and the, the, uh, the variety when it comes to, to looking for such a simple, you know, just, Oh, it's a rare Pokemon. Every so often these Pokemon appear and they're super rare, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know how it is, but uh, with so many different games, so many different Pokemon, and so many different methods, there is a slew of different um, ways that you can do it, uh, ways to make it more efficient, and ways to make it more fun. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed uh, this little segment today. Like I said, I'm excited to delve into more of it as time goes on, uh, but sort of in replacement for a topic today, that's that's sort of what I wanted to discuss um, and before I end the episode for today, of course, we have our final segment of the episode, which is the segment where I talk about a random move every episode. And that, of course, is Move Tutor. The move on the chopping block today is number 269, I believe. And that is Taunt. Taunt 
is a non-damaging dark type move introduced in Generation 3. It was TM12 from Generation 3 to Generation 6, or Generation 7, except in Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, where it was TM02. It is TR37 in Generation 8. Uh, so it is a dark type move, as I said. It is a status move. It has a PP of 20 and an accuracy of 100%. Before I get into the effects, uh, I want to say that this move is very, very good. Uh, it's a very, very prevalent move in... Um, Competitive Pokemon, uh, it's very powerful in the meta for competitive Pokemon. Uh, it can do a lot of things and can be a game changer, quite literally, uh, when it's up against certain Pokemon. Um, so sort of just preparing you for that, if you know nothing about competitive Pokemon, sort of listen in on the effects of it and think about how, like, what it can do um, for, you know, for the uh, for the, the competitive metagame. So, in Generation 3... Taunt makes the afflicted Pokemon unable to use status moves. The effect lasts for two turns or until the subject is switched out. Unlike most status moves, Taunt will affect the target with a substitute. On the turn when Taunt is used, if the Pokemon using Taunt goes before the target and the target selected a status move that turn, the target's move will fail. If a Pokemon that only knows status move is taunted or is taunted after using a status move and holding a choice item, it will be forced to use Struggle. Uh, in Generation 4, the duration of Taunt is now between 3 and 5 turns, and it can be copied by Mirror Move. In Generation 5, the duration of Taunt is now 3 turns if the user acts before the target, or 4 turns if the target acted before the user. <laughs> taunt can now be reflected by Magic Coat and no longer affects me first. In Generation 6 and onward, Pokemon with Oblivious or under the effect of Aroma Veil cannot be taunted. Taunt will not prevent the target from using a status Z-move, but will prevent a Dynamax target from using Max Guard. If powered up by Dark EMZ into Z-Taunt, the user's attack also rises one stage. Other effects. Clavopus that know this move will affect will evolve into Grappaloct when leveled up. Is that really how you evolve Clavopus? Oh, interesting. I, I didn't know that. Well, it seems like Taunt is useful other than just being a move. Um, description. Taunts the foe into using only attack moves. Or enrages, enrages the foe so it can only use attack moves. There's a big difference between those two. Um, the foe is taunted into a rage that allows it to only use attack moves. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much all the same. Nothing really super different about those. Not going to read them out. Uh, and it seems like there is no trivia, no, um, <laughs> you know, no other sort of information about this. I mean, like such a simple move, but it does so much, you know, it's like it, 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 it affects Pokemon so deeply in, in the competitive metagame because status moves are so important. And if a Pokemon can't use a status move and you, you know, you predict someone to use a status move and you taunt them and eventually make it so they have to switch into a Pokemon that can actually attack, that could give you a huge lead. You know, that's 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 such a big play and such a big momentum changer in a Pokemon battle that, it, it, you know, I can't not talk about the effects that it has on the competitive metagame and how important it is and deeply ingrained it is in competitive Pokemon. Uh, but other than that, other than that, it's so simple. You know, it's literally just, oh, they can't use status moves for a certain amount of turns. But 
such a simple effect can go such a long way, which I suppose is the nature of certain Pokemon, uh, you know, sort of mechanics uh, and moves. Anyway, that is going to do it for me for today. I hope you all have had an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next one. Bye!